Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Talk Show. As a quick reminder, if you have missed or want to check the vast back catalogue of season one that we have now on demand, you can check them out on all the major podcasting networks, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google uh, Podcasts, etc. Or we have a dedicated place for them on the Event Tech live website actually um but we have a dedicated url and domain for that which is eventtechtalks.com so you can hit that into your search bar go direct to the last 14 episodes because this is episode 15 now and listen or watch any of those on demand um and we have now launched registration for event tech live 2021 london after our last event had to go virtual this will be the Next opportunity, we have to bring people together in person. So we have a whole week of uh, the event, uh, which spans the 1st of November to the 5th. So we have five whole digital days, and that is interspersed with two physical days across the 3rd and the 4th. So no matter whether you are remote or physical, you'll be able to access all of the content that we have. Um, So the first and second day are two full days of live stream of content from speakers all around the world. We're just about to announce the first half of the agenda over the next couple of days. Um, The 3rd and the 4th, all of the content, we have four stages at the event and will be broadcast online so still if you're remote no matter where you are in the world you'll be able to access all of that content and then the fifth day will be some more exciting virtual live stream content back out to everybody who wants to watch it remotely and then after that it'll all be hosted on demand free of charge on eventtechlive.com So today's podcast, or today's episode, shall we say, I have two very special guests joining me to talk about the possibilities and the ability to generate leads using virtual events. So joining me on today's episode is Stuart Mitchell of Catch the Mice and Stas Zlasflaski, I think I I pronounced that correct, of VII Events. Stas, Stuart, welcome to today's episode. Hi, Adam. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having us on your show today. No, Good thank afternoon. you, mate. Yeah, thank you, first of all, Stas, for making the time to come on. I know it's late where you are now, and, and Stuart, you're in, the, you're in the UK, so I'm not going to thank you for, for joining me because it's like, well. Um, Stas, Stuart, I want to give the opportunity to you both to introduce yourselves and tell, it, tell the viewers and also the listeners um, a little bit more about both of your background in the events industry and what you're up to now. So Stas, let's, let's start with you, mate. Definitely. Thank you. So I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started back in 2007, opening a digital marketing company. Since then, I opened several successful businesses worldwide. And my latest startup, that's why I'm here today, is VAI Events, a 3D virtual and hybrid events platform that helps uh, create incredible experience for attendees. Amazing. And Stuart, you've got a... I've got a, I'm a veteran of this events industry. I've been around a long time. Hello, my name is Stuart Mitchell. I'm the managing director of Catch the Mice. Um, used to have a representation company representing beautiful hotels all over the world. And my background is operational delivering events. However, the pandemic's changed all of that. And I now represent two events platforms, one um, being Intelligo. Um, and the other one being VII events. We've literally just uh, announced our partnership um, to uh, to help with business development and support in the UK and Ireland. And uh, I'm a, it's a pleasure to be here today to uh, tell you a little bit more about that and how we can help. 
Thank you, Stuart. So what's interesting to me is we've got one gentleman here, Stas, you're coming into the sector from a technological from a technological um, slant, looking to solve the problem and use technology to connect people up all around the world. Stuart, you've been in the business and industry of connecting people all around the world, and now you're helping companies like Stas connect with customers to make the best of that technology. I, I think it's just a, a, a super interesting dynamic of how these worlds have converged and these partnerships are, are Adam, forming. The random thing here is that I actually studied electronic engineering and digital uh, degree. I did. I studied an electronics degree. I wasn't clever enough to do the, the techie stuff. I had to uh, do all the talking and the sweet talking and do the eventy stuff. Well, awesome. well, inter well, interesting, Stuart. I think that's probably the same for me. I understand <laughs> it put a laptop in front of me and you know any of the the platforms that you can code in and I'm like yeah whatever you might as well have given me sand and, and 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 glue to try and put something together that's that's where I'm coming from we need we we need people Stuart like Stas who who totally understand that side of things to, to be able to realize that technology can, for, for our industry and I can send absolutely the opposite because we need people we need the event organizers we need people who understand the event industry and Without them, we can create different technologies, technological solutions that just will not work or will work not exactly as it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And here with Stuart, we not just work with customers, we brainstorm a lot to understand what is the need of the industry and not just the need of the specific industry, but UK industry, because in different cultures have different uh, experiences, different language barriers that Although I speak English, it's not the same English like spoken on UK or on US, and sometimes the meaning and the, uh, lost in translation. So it's really vital to have such connection with event industry professionals. But then again, I can totally um, sympathize with that stats because I'm what's called an a northerner, and I have a very broad Yorkshire accent, and now kind of converged with uh, a Mancunian accent as well. So I can go 40 miles one way to the left of my house and people don't understand me. Mate. So uh, I know the challenges of, of dialect and, and language. But Stas, let's, let's, let's start a little briefly with you. Why virtual? Why 3D? Why that type of platform in order to connect participants at an event together like why why that route over let's say what we see which is kind of a 2d environment um from, from others why did you go that way so uh, the story goes a little bit uh, back to the start of the pandemic like i mentioned before uh, we had uh, several companies in our group before the pandemic and uh, one of them was a uh, one b the other one was triple d triple d is a 3d agency working with uh, mainly architects and real estate developers and so when the pandemic hit early on in APEC, we had customers coming in saying, you're our, our digital experts, what you can suggest, what you can do. And we came with idea of how creating, how the experience of the event, how the element of excitement of the event, can, can, how we can bring it on. And we immediately understood that we have uh, vast capabilities in digital marketing and in a 3D. And we thought that giving people the storytelling element, giving people the ability to experience unique venues, unique designs, it's, it's very crucial to their experience, to their how they perceive the event, how they feel during the virtual event. And it's eventually great excitement, which lead more to more engagements, which lead to more leads and business. Yes, and that is exactly what we are here to, to speak about today. But I guess just very briefly before we go on to you know, 
how virtual events can be very effective for that lead generation. Stuart, you know, you were very much embedded in, I'm very careful what I say these days. I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to call it the real events industry. I don't want to call it the live events industry, but you were very much embedded in physical event, events, right? Bringing people together pre-pandemic. Um, just briefly from, from your side of things, I know you've, you've already touched on it slightly. How have you found that transition from, from physical events now to, you know, being an evangelist for virtual events? Like, how have you found it personally? I think it's been a, it's been a, it's not been an evolution. It's been a revolution. It's been quite, quite cathartic, but also quite petrifying to be perfectly honest. I spent the first six months like everyone else did expecting it to be over in September, 2020. Here we are in September, a year on, it's still not over. And I thought I'd be back to doing what I did before. And it wasn't until September last year that I realized, Stuart, you've got to do something completely different. So I, I started looking at virtual platforms and I looked at Stas's. I was approached by a number of clients to work with me. And I have to say, Stas's platform stood out head and shoulders above everyone else's. But I, I'm also working with a, uh, with a 2D platform as well, because I understand that 2D and 3D it's not everyone's bag to do a, to have a 3D uh, visual uh, experience. They want a, a 2D, almost more of an intuitive and easier uh, platform to, to work around and a more simple uh, platform. Um, but I also think there's a market, and I know there's a market, for, for something a very, very visually impressive um, um, toolkit and, and something that will deliver outstanding uh, visual, visually, uh, visual events. And um, so for me, I... Uh, I've, I have learned the hard way. I've been on and I've sat on and, and been engaged with dozens of virtual, virtual events. And uh, I, I know the pain that uh, event organizers go through. I think the other thing which is worth touching on is I spent a lot of time speaking to event organizers during those first six months and obviously since to see what they were doing. Um, most of my business came from smaller the smaller agencies because I hadn't delved into the digital world before. Um, the pandemic. So it was those agencies that were giving me all of the business that were the, almost the small and micro agencies that a lot of them still really haven't dipped their toe in the virtual water. And there's a there's still a lot of people that haven't experienced virtual and are hoping that the, the real world, you called it, the, the kind of the in-person live event will come back which it is, but you know, even today, we think we just literally just had a, a pop-up about 15 minutes before we, we started the show, just to say, it, there'll be a, um, a, a notification, that a recommendation to work from home, and we'll all be wearing a mask again in, in a few weeks' time. So we've got to be wary of it, and, and the virtual solution that, that I think every real true event organizer has to have, they need to have that in their armory of a, a virtual solution that sits alongside a live solution as part of their overall uh, event strategy. Otherwise, quite honestly, it's a very expensive thing to have virtual as a backup rather than as a as a part of the overall strategy. Yeah, um, there's a lot in there, Stuart, that I'd love to unpick. I think just working backwards, you are absolutely right. I think it's it's very apparent that as a sector, although we may feel or have thought in the past that physical events were an unstoppable force other than maybe some other things that have tragically stopped events in the path like terrorism and other things in it but they kind of localized they're in they're in certain regions never as an industry on a whole globally for such a long period of time have events never happened 
in a physical or face-to-face manner, we've absolutely had to rely on, you know, great entrepreneurs like Stas and others in the sector to help us keep connecting those attendees and, and, and ultimately some or whole parts of our business alive without that technology in place. Ultimately, there would have been even, even no virtual events. So I think you're right. I think it's, it's very apparent that it shouldn't be a plan B. It should be a plan A by A. It's, it should be running in tandem. Uh, that, that's that's the way that I feel. It's the it's the safest, safest and the best. And I know there's lots of challenges around that about bandwidth and you know people and having to organise essentially two events in tandem or for two type of different audiences and stuff. But I'm quite I'm quite um I'm not don't always say the right thing, and I know that. And and I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit left field sometimes. We but we're we're, all, we're always talking about this hybrid thing. I think to get hybrid right is is extraordinarily difficult because mm. if you are watching it like we are all of us here um the two, three of us here in, a, in an office or in a, in a in a bedroom or a kitchen whatever the content has to be different that you're receiving as a as a as a viewer in this environment to the content that's delivered on stage and at an uh, at a live event and those two two bits of content are very difficult to get simultaneous the same to diff- two different audiences so my personal view is i think there will be live events and then they'll be nicely edited into bite-sized chunks and distributed through a view on demand as and when people want to watch it that's my personal view rather than proper hi- this hybrid we talk about stas your view does it align with stuart so do you have a slightly different or, or alternative view on things if, if there's a chance i want to take back a little bit and unpack something that stuart said previously then get back to hybrid events so about the pain of the industry. I think when events been canceled just literally overnight because of the pandemic and people were afraid, scared, a lot of uncertainty, and not all that uncertainty went away, but it, there's still a lot of uncertainty even now. But people were afraid, a lot of event organizers, they were afraid that event tech, that our technologies companies like mine are here to replace them. And I must say that's the opposite. We are we we can we can do nothing without the experience of seasoned event organizers. We don't have the connections with the, and the relationships they build over years with customers. We don't have the understanding and the experience of how to produce this amazing physical in-person event. Call them how how we want, and of course hybrid events. So I see that in the upcoming years. Event technologists will need to understand, and we, the event organizers will need to understand that we need to come closer together, to collaborate more, to and not fear each other. Like we are not here to replace uh, the industry or change it. We are here to evolve with it together, providing solutions that the industry need. I couldn't agree with you more. I think if there's anything to be taken away from the last eighteen months as an industry, we've been given, I think, fresh eyes at the way that we do business and the way that we connect our communities up and the way that we bring people together. Um, And I don't think for a second when I looked at any virtual event or hybrid event, did I ever think of it as a replacement for what I was doing previously? If anything, for me personally, I know some could argue that I'm probably more on the tech side than against it or, or, or resistant to it. But I saw opportunity, a huge amount of opportunity to um amplify and embed myself in my community and connect that community up or connect my attendees up 
even more often and, and maybe even take some of what we try to cram into one big silo in one big event and actually start to pick that apart and go, actually, hold on a second. There's an event for this on this course over here. Maybe it's the event tech marketing side of things or um, you know, the, the physical technology side of things, maybe the virtual technology side of things. And I think that's the opportunity that most have seen is that they can actually use virtual as a way to kind of thread the narrative through the rest of the year and connect people up. And then hybrid is a way to bring people together in, in one big environment. Um, Stas, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of get you to bring on and share your screen. Cause I think it's important for people to kind of have a visual representation about your technology specifically and, and what they're doing. So if you want to be able to, I can't see your share screen. So if you yeah, want to share I'll your screen. And just before that, I exactly want to do that. Uh, Stuart also spoke about Intelligon. They have an excellent product. I really can mm -hmm. say that I'm really lucky that he, he, Stuart is not only working solely with us, but he has another solution. This way we can together create a suite and each event has its own breakdown. And there's a lot of different great technologies out in the market. So for each type of event, the different industry, different type of engagement, there is a tool that works best for that industry or for that event. So selecting the right tool, the right technology tool for the right event is vital. And saying that, I'll show, demonstrate a very short demonstration about of our solution, how it looks. Uh, so I'm just a second, I'm gonna share a screen now. While Stas is doing that, for those that are tuning into this podcast um, in the audio format on on replay, um, please do go and check out the uh, the video either on the Event Tech Live website or on YouTube, so you can get representation. So Stas, tell us a little bit more about your platform and and how it works. Yeah, thank you. So basically, we are cre recreating a, a physical venues virtually. It can be up to, to our imagination, our customer imagination, or really imitate the physical venues. And we have two graphical engines. One is a 2D point and click, really simple to navigate. You have menu, you have maps here, and you just go and interact with different objects. The other, the other one, which you can switch in a platform, is a more advanced one. Like you can uh, zoom 360, get a more immersive experience. It works the same way from a tablet, desktop, and mobile. Uh, this is one event with British Society uh, of uh, and Kasapi. Uh, they did an, a, a medical event with us. It was amazing. We are going for a second one uh, soon. Uh, this is a different event. So you see it looks different. It brings a different brand story. And even sometimes in case of strategies, they're doing free print, 3D printers. It includes their machinery. Like you can almost touch it and you can even see the parts of that machinery like displayed for you. Um, this is a, our event sales kickoff event that we did last year. So here we are in Paris. So creating this experience, creating uh, these uh, attachments, uh, the emotional attachments I spoke before, the element of the storytelling and exploration, that was our idea, how we bring forward that uh, additional engagement we looked for. Of course, there are different gamifications that we can dive separately into, but the first thing is the visual experience because content is one of the more important things, but it needs beautifully packaged into an environment that calls for interest, that creates excitement. So that's where we are coming in. This is one of our strongest suits. Uh, of course, we focus on lead generation, which, which we're supposed to speak soon about. 
and uh, the community model, which is very interesting and very spoken in the industry as well. Awesome. Before we go on to kind of that, the, the power of the uh, events being used as a lead generation platform, Stuart, I want to come to you just briefly on, on Stas's point. You know, you have a 2D platform like Intelligo, then you have more of an interactive model as a maybe a, a second step. It's, it's interactive, kind of the way that we would expect to interact with maybe maps or other technologies like that. And then the evolution of that at VI events, which is a fully fledged immersive platform with 3d models of people's equipment and 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 things i I can see that being a huge cost saver for some manufacturers at some events like maybe farmer international air show or or others where it costs a lot of money to get some of this equipment and some of these um real life things in place but this is where most people struggle they 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 struggle with what type of platform that they should go with where where's best suited their event so how or or What's your experience there in giving people the right advice so they, 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 their event sits within the right pl- type of platform? I had um, had a conversation about this actually um, at, at the Eventage show on Friday, actually, in Edinburgh when I was, when I was speaking. And one of the, the points was it's about the ethics of the person that's actually delivering that honest advice. Is it really honest advice or is it dictated by the... <laughs> The backhander, no, the not sorry, the retro rebates. Um, so um, I think a lot of it comes into the ethics of of the person, and I have to say, I'm I hope that I stand stand by my word on that one. On that one, um, if I was trying to give any direction, and I I try not to because it, it's the end of it's the, the end of the day, it's the it's the client's decision. But I will give recommendations if I if I could, and and I'll take a pharmaceutical client for example, with super intelligent doctors and the consultants and surgeons um they tend to want a simple platform because they they haven't been gamers all their lives and they haven't had all the experience of of playing with the tech um so i would probably say just a simple 2d D platform with them also the other thing is historically there have been some fairly hefty price bans for an annual licenses for some of these things and the pricing whole whole pricing structure comes into play Again, ethically, is that the right thing to do? If someone really is only streaming a piece of information um, and is doing a web webcast as opposed to a multi-screen complicated uh, event with breakout rooms and simultaneous broadcasts, um, I could sell them whatever I wanted to sell them because I'm a salesperson, yeah. but it's just not fair to do that. And I think you need to, again, ethics come into play here. Uh, I want to hold ha- people's hands. The relationships that I've built over the last 25 years throughout, or, 30 years from my career, because I'm getting old now, 30 years from my career, I don't want to, I don't want to throw those down the pan for being unethical, because quite frankly, my name is worth more than making a few pennies, extra pounds in my pocket, albeit I'm skinned having had a year of almost no, no trading. But um, I, I think ethics come into play. The other thing which is really important for me, when I used to represent hotels, I... I've, I turned down many hotels that wanted to work with me because they didn't deliver the service that the client was expecting. And the same thing has happened with event platforms. I'm not going to mention any names in the industry, but there are people, I've been approached by a number of platforms and I've turned them down because they don't have the same ethics and they don't understand our industry. And I, I'm so pleased I'm working with Stas and Intelligo because they both understand it. Stas from a techie point of view and Intelligo are backed up it was built from by eventers so they understand our sector and that 
that helps me onward desell it and promote it to to the wider events market. Yeah, I must admit, Stuart, I think if I was a buyer having somebody like yourself who was partnered with two platforms that were very, very different from each other, but ultimately helping me to deliver my events, whether that be a hybrid event or a virtual event, I'd feel very comfortable with that, knowing that ultimately you're going to give me the opportunity to go with the one that suits my event best, not the one that is the only one that you have to sell them or you have to encourage them to go to. And ultimately, I would imagine that Stas and Intelligo are much more comfortable knowing that they're going to get the customers who have understood that that platform is right for them coming to them at that point rather than having to kind of unpick all of the... I hope you know, so. <laughs> well, we, we, we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. But it's, I, it's, I think it's a very clever partnership between all three parties, if I'm honest, in... Um, you know, if a if a two D platform isn't right, then Stas and VIR events is the best better option for them, and vice versa. And and Stuart, you're in a kind of a hopefully a no lose situation. They, they will ultimately go with one, um, and and hopefully you can find as much work for both of them as as each other. So I think it's a very clever way to present the technology and and Stuart having all your experience within events and talking event language and understanding the trials and tribulations of actually delivering physical events as well mm-hmm. can be that partner between everybody that's that's kind of there all in the mix. Stash, you were going to say something. Yeah, I wanted to say something to add something on a part of the um, integration between platforms. So we had an experience of working, I will not name names, but we worked with different platforms across where there was an integration between 2D platform and the, the, our 3D engine. And you can leverage much more features and much more, uh, creating much more deeper experience this way. It, of course, it depends on the event in the breakdown and the willingness of those uh, competing uh, platforms to collaborate. We are always looking for the best for the customers and we are not afraid to collaborate with our peers. Uh, second of all, about ethics, and it's really important for me as well. So I want to share a, a short story about a customer, very, very big enterprise customer who came to us and literally wanted to make a small event for 80 people with two 3D rooms, reception and auditorium. And then in the auditorium, the session even weren't streamed live there. There just was a link for Zoom or Teams. And I told him, like, it's a, it's a waste of your resources. You can do with just simple landing page and use Zoom or Teams alone. You don't need this whole bombastic experience to host 80 people. It just doesn't worth the effort for you. You'll do much better having something different. So um, being honest and that customer return later on for us with a bigger event, like what we are used to do, our events are between 1,000, 2,000 people. And the biggest event we done was with 50,000 people. So when he returned, he was happy and he trusted me more. And I felt good about myself because I provided real value. Bombastic. That is not a word I have heard in a long time. I feel like that would be a good name for a virtual event platform. I'm going to trademark it so nobody can you nobody can use. So we're here. We are. We are. We are actually nearly 30 minutes into this episode, and we actually haven't still gotten to the the, the thing that we're here to talk about, which is lead generation strategies. And I think it's a really, really interesting part of the conversation of hybrid and virtual events because ultimately. That is the mechanism of most events, isn't it? It's whether it's an individual, you're going to an event to try and generate leads, create an increase in your network, you're a company sponsoring or exhibiting an event, 
or you're even the organizer at some point in the line, even if it's your only event that you are organizing, underlying it's probably about lead generation or, or customer support and customer care. So tell me, yeah, I'm going to fire the I'm going to fire the answer out to you. Why are virtual or hybrid events now such effective ways of, of generating leads as as organizers and businesses? What, what's your what's your own opinions on that? And Stuart, I'm maybe going to jump to you first as as the as the kind of the organizer slash supplier side of things before we come to staff. I'll try and keep this as as succinct as possible. I think it's a the reach. A the reach of people you can get your white your market your market window has suddenly become a lot it's become global so you can you can open your events to a, a lot more people you can get a wider uh, uh, traction in that in that respect you then get as as long as your event is designed well uh, you you can actually structure your content to actually get engaging questions with polls and answers so you get uh, uh, get feedback from your from your client base which you can then follow up on to say if someone see if someone's interested. And thirdly, it's the analytics. It's the analytics of everything, everything you touch, everything you click, everything, everywhere you access, what you what your program is, what your agenda, your personalized calendar diary is, is all there as extra data. And it's data, data, data. And I think the wizards of the world in the boardroom will be those data kids that can actually manage that data effectively and capitalize on it. And Stas, what about yourself? As Stuart said, very many interesting talking points. I will not repeat them, but I give some example for the audience. We had a customer that usually was working all year around to create one event for five days uh, in Las Vegas. And th this event uh, usually will bring four to 5,000 people uh, yearly to this uh, event, the customer event. And uh, moving virtual for them, they've been able to bring 20,000 people. And next year, they're planning to do hybrid event. So their reach is significantly, significantly grows. And even, even if they're not mastering fully the capabilities of the analytics and all the platform capabilities that they can leverage it to deliver more leads, the share amount of traffic of the attendees that are joined up, and if you take a percentage that it converts into a possible deals, that by itself, the, the bigger the audience, the bigger the opportunity. I'm going to pose a, a very true but difficult question to you both because I'm not in the world of selling virtual events as an opportunity to generate leads. That's Actually, that's not true. I am. But I'm not the one selling the platform. There are many exhibitors, many event organizers, actually, that have had real trouble or struggle generating the value that they deem that they need out an event you know exhibition organizers as, as a point in call it's hard to scale the value of a virtual event in the same way that it maybe is it, uh, the ability to scale a physical event because it's about square meters and it's very real and obviously the more space that you take in a more venue the, the just more direct cost there is that's that's easy for everybody to work out um and then from a exhibitor perspective many have often struggled with how to get the most out of, of an event maybe their focus is one-to-one -one meetings or you know card hold data like email addresses and telephone numbers and things like that um, and i've heard very mixed and varying things across the board some absolutely loving virtual or those hybrid events as ways to leverage and maximize their the roi or their lead generation out of the events others on the other hand saying i'm never touching this with a barge pole ever again because I just couldn't get any value out of it. 
what do you say to that? Do you experience yourselves maybe, or have you got any advice on the better ways to go around actually leveraging those leads out of an event versus others? Have you seen any bad practice? Can you, can you share any thoughts on that as to why or how those people could overcome those challenges? Absolutely. This is an excellent question. It has different layers of answers. So start from the beginning. Um, there are uh, a lot of great tech out there. See, first of all, uh, all technology companies, including myself, we need constantly improve, hear feedback and evolve. That's, that's our goal as technological solutions is to listen to the industry and improve. Secondly, what I do believe is happening. There is a lot of great platforms, not just myself, of course, I'm saying there are many, many great solutions, but many of them even uh, haven't reached their full potential because customers, they receive a training, they don't fully understand the flow of virtual hybrid events, how to control the audience, how to maximize the uh, lead generation process. And they ending up with either bad experience or a limit understanding of how this done right. That's why, first of all, I saw on the industry, a lot of companies, a lot of event companies now hiring digital marketeers to help them out, understanding how to turn that data, how to work with different automation processes to generate leads. But I think the most, the, the most uh, uh, top reason for unsuccessful or not happy results is not a fault with a tech specific tech platform. Of course, there might be such cases, but in most cases it's not proper, mis uh, not proper use, misuse, or not proper planning. Uh, and that's why it uh, leads to some uh, bad results. I totally agree with that. I think um, if you look at, go to any trade show, any trade show in the world, you can see people that are having a busy stand, engaging with customers walking past, that have pre-organized their meetings, that have done the homework, they know who's coming, that have invited specific guests to onto their stand, that have been proactive in grabbing people off the aisles in the old fashioned way. And people aren't doing that in the digital world. I was, I mean, Swapcard did looked after Confex. I spent weeks before Confex organizing my diary and I had a busy show. Footfall was down, don't get me wrong, footfall was down. And that's where the digital marketers come in, uh, as Das said, to, to optimize the, the volumes at the trade show. But if you sit on your laptop in your old stand, ignoring one or drinking coffee, chatting with your with your colleague with a hangover from the night before's party, that's not the best way to get return on your investment. It just doesn't work that way. It's the same with digital. Um, and I'm afraid, you know, the platform can't be blamed for that. It's down to poor management of the content. Yeah, no, I th that's I really think I quite harsh, isn't it? But that's true. No, I think I think it's the truth, Stuart. I think to to Stas's point, for some events, it probably is very much down to poor planning. Have they targeted the right type of people to come in? Have they explained both the benefits and the way that they get the most out of that experience from an individual perspective? Have they put enough emphasis on the value of actually connecting with those people that are helping to fund the event, whether that be a supplier, a sponsor, or things like that? You know, ultimately, events for both sides are about the efficiencies of creating relationships and doing business, right? You know, you can meet a lot of people over a very short period of time around a very, very focused piece of, of content or idea or industry. 
and the value there is doing all of that in a very very short period of time it's 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 very time efficient and that should be the same for virtual or physical events but maybe on the uh, as Tostas says maybe some events and some experiences become down to bad planning I would caveat that though that my own opinion is sometimes not necessarily the person executing on that but the amount of time that we've actually had with this business type right we've got to remember Virtual events, although some would argue have been something around for, for over a decade now, and that's true in broadcast sense, you know, yes, in terms of broadcasting an event out to a remote audience, that's been done for, for well over a decade. But in terms of utilizing the tools and the technology that allow them to take that to the next step of a business level, that's ra- that's brand new. You know, that, re- that really is. So the, the different skill sets. Yeah, on the event management side, I think, We've got to give people a little bit longer to kind of get those planning processes down. Technology, the same. I think there's been a period of time of learning, of iteration, of some, you know, some some mice in the cogs that have, you know, fallen over at certain key points in time. Hey, Ventech Live US, not that many months ago, we had Vimeo go down on us hours before our event was about to go live. You know, these are the real world things that happen. So there's a there's a sprinkling of that, and I totally agree with that. And again, I think virtual events from a business activity again 18 months is not a long time for many people for many sales people or marketing people to get their head around what needs to go into it in order to get the results out of it if i'm honest i think there's very much of a, been of an opinion that it's a case of oh we're going to be able to turn up to these events all of these people are going to rush to want to book, book meetings with us we're not going to have to do anything because we're amazing. We've got some such a, a, an amazing product or the latest generation in this. They're going to want to book meetings with us and sign checks, and then come to it. And actually, that's not the way that it works. It goes like Stuart, like you've taken. Just as any sales job or outreach job, it takes a lot of groundwork and build the foundations to get the results at the point of the event that you want. So I think it's probably. I agree with you. I think it's probably a combination of all three of those things that have maybe left some people with this is not right, this is not worth the investment in time and money. Um, I guess let's talk a little bit about, about that then, like as well as the challenge, what are the major challenges that you think are for event organizers in planning these events? Because that's part of that three mix, right? They, they've maybe not had enough time or not enough experience. Are there other challenges that you think that event organizers are facing in order to create effective virtual and physical events outside of that stats. Definitely. I can share a very funny experience that happened time after time uh, when we do first time uh, customers. Instead of focusing on the strategy of how they're going to prepare uh, the strategy of advertising, the strategy of which attendees you should bring, you spoke about it briefly. Uh, it's really vital to bring the right attendees because you can bring 10,000 people who will be not relevant to your event. They'll just come for some gifts that you're going to share during the event, like prizes. So instead of focusing on the right stuff, what many companies, many uh, event organizers are doing, they're drilling down very heavily into smallest details of the, the features and how they work in a platform, like how the exact way the, the Q&A works, the exact way uh, the poll works. Like, and, and it's really important to understand the tech, but if it takes you all your time and then you didn't left with strategical planning and they say, okay, when is your event? My event is next week. 
Where is the time to do marketing right? Where is the time to prepare for the event? And I'm not speaking about the content part. The content part might be very professional and ready because they know how to do it from in-person events and they used to it. I'm speaking about the process, that, the flow of the attendees during a virtual event because it's not the same process when it's a hybrid event and it's not the same process when it's in-person event. And many event organizers miss a very crucial point. The event doesn't start at the event date and the lead generation process doesn't start post-event. What really indeed should happen is before the event. You sit on each registration, you target, you uh, analyze that and these that are registered, put them into different categories, create for them each one for each category, a unique personalized communication based on his interest, industry, seniority, and then uh, market exact messages that are relevant for them, making, creating a value for those attendees to attend, creating for them a content or potential meetings, like saying, hi, Stuart, I know Stas is going to be on this event, and I know that you have both interest comments. Maybe you will meet and suggest a time based on the agenda. So there's a lot, a lot of planning that need to be done before the event. Then during the event, the second mistake, is event organizers are really focused on operating the tech platform and they usually don't take a, a event a technology support because they they want to save money they want to do it themselves or they don't have a professional team that does that like there's professional companies today that help event organizers run different platforms so they focus on running the platform instead of making connections instead of making networking instead of following the activities in real time, the analytics in real time of that, these that are currently looking to have meaningful interactions with their seniors and catching the, it during the event and not post event is very vital because after the event, we all come to next event of different company and we go back to our emails and we are back to our meetings. We're busy during the event. We are here. We are present virtually or in person, and that's the time to network with us. So doing lead generation during the event is vital. And of course, post-event, because it's virtual, and when I'm speaking about hybrid or virtual events alone, you can do a community model where you don't stop, you don't close the doors and uh, or uh, put the content to die there like a graveyard. You, you do semi-webinars once a week, once a month. You create networking days for that and these. You create opportunities. You give real value, you'll get real results. Stuart, do you have any further thoughts on, on that? I, I do. I think your, your point earlier was very well made. It, it, it is still that we're in its infancy. It, 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 people are still learning. Um, the pandemic has 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 been brutal for our industry. It's so sad to have seen uh, what's happened to it. I've I've lost so many colleagues um, that have mm. left the industry, and I've lost colleagues through, unfortunately, to mental health. That's another issue which um, I will we'll park that. But I do some work with Eventwell um, or, or to try and try and support that. Um, but going back to what you said, we we are lacking a skill set. We there is there are new skills that are needed. There are new technical skills that are needed. Who had I had never heard of VMix, OBS? What's that? You know, there are all those elements, and but there is also you know that the skill of being able to manipulate. Well, actually, no, not actually manipulate. Actually, be almost a host. Uh, in your environment and direct people around rather than worrying about this tech that could potentially fall over because it's petrifying running a virtual event if you've never done it before. You need an expert to hold your hand and show you how to do it and how to communicate. Even before we did this sort of um, streaming setup, we had a little chat on, on mobile phone. We had a little 
WhatsApp group just to say, oh, everything's okay, are we ready for it? It's that, it's, it's not difficult, but it's what you do when you run virtual events. Um, and those people that haven't dipped the toe in need a bit of handholding. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, there's this, I've come to realize that what it, what it, when I ask people about how did you get into events, the general answer is, oh, I fell into it. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are some amazing universities and courses out there that will teach you the fundamentals and the very important key parts of, you know, managing an event, keeping people safe, um, event design and all of those things. But actually, I don't think it's until you really get yourself immersed in it and you start, you know, lifting up the hood and getting into the nuts and bolts of putting an event and actually have that experience of putting one together. Do you fundamentally understand what's involved, the logistics and the mechanisms of making a great event, whether that be virtual, hybrid or, or face to face? I think that's the same with virtual events. That's the, what's, what's presented as now. I think virtual events and hybrid events will elevate our industry up to the same level as other marketing mechanisms such as specialist seo specialist um, ad display adverts networking new forms of marketing and specialisms that are coming into massive play such as um platforms like tiktok and instagram and and, and all these kind of amazing ways that we can reach our we can help customers reach our audience I think our sector is now going to be elevated to that because the key piece that we've got, but none of these other platforms have got, is the ability to bring people back into the room. Um, actually, the only people that seem to be doing that well on any of these platforms are potentially some of the kind of the high-end blue chip brands, maybe like Adidas and Nike and those organizations that have got that ability and that reach. Could, but they already fundamentally understand the value of bringing people face-to-face. From a lead generation perspective, as somebody working in media, um, and selling lead generation for a business, this is now another tool in my armory of another way to provide my customers the opportunity to reach my audience around a very focused way. And ultimately, without the major headache of things like huge venue deposits and catering and all of those crazy things that go into, you know, sitting, the physical sitting on the M6 for five hours of it. <laughs> I've not done that for a few years, Stuart. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's it's two hours, um, two hours. Everybody's time sensitive. That's everybody involved, right? So I think the other thing from a lead generation perspective that it, it also presents an opportunity is for people to be able to dip themselves into other regions which would have been very costly to exercise as a physical event. You know, I think that's one of the big doors that have been opened. We we've got it on Event Tech Live this year. We've got Companies from Canada, the US, Australia, Singapore, all participating in Event Tech Live London from a virtual perspective in a much more cost-effective way than would have been presented to in a physical way for them to try the event out, for them to gauge the lead generation and the activity that they're going to get out of it, to take that next step in going, hey, yes, actually, it's now worth us taking this to the next level and investing even more in the event going forward. And I think that's the opportunity that presents many event organizers and businesses is the ability to now utilize those types of events to gauge an audience and make smarter, wiser investments and ultimately probably keep customers a lot longer because they'll have had the opportunity to spend more time figuring that audience out and figuring that event out before having to, I'm just going to pick an arbitrary figure out, but let's say invest an overall £20,000 or euros into an event without really knowing much. But that point is well, well made. As long as they've got a good CRM system, they've, they've got it in a bag. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you both a kind of a crystal ball moment. What do virtual events specifically look like in the next I'm gonna say five years, and that almost probably seems like too long considering how how much they've changed over the last 18 months. But Stas, maybe as the as the platform provider, what do you hope to see out of virtual events in the next kind of five years? What did it look like? It's really hard to guess, like you mentioned. If if you've been asked 18 months ago, what is virtual events? Say, what? Virtual <laughs> event? And the amount of brains, the amount of funds went to do evolving the event tech industry uh, is literally unprecedented. I think there is uh, never before there was like a $1 billion company uh, invested and so many investments coming up in that money eventually influence even myself, although I, I am a bootstrap company. It, it, it creates a bigger a bigger pie for everybody. It creates a, a new job roles. They're, they're definitely like 18 months ago, if you go into LinkedIn and look for virtual events uh, expert, there was zero. And yeah. today, like it pops in the thousands and I like click connect every day because I do want to be connected with everyone. Uh, so feel, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. But uh, again, it's really hard to imagine, but I do believe that if we want to give a better experience, it's not need to be only about tech. We need to understand the in, we need to listen to experts of the industry, listen what their pains and many of the pains coming up here that the tech is too expensive. So that need to be not just a technological development because we can go to AR and VR and a lot of different technologies and there are some platforms doing it now, but it need to be cost effective solution that people can use and get benefit from. Because if it's just cool tech, which is very expensive, like a $1 million iPhone or Tesla, and so several people will have it, but the advancement is making it affordable. Stuart, what about yourself? Crystal ball moment. What do what does virtual events look like to you in the next five years? Well, I I've always worked with hotels and venues that provide service. It's about being in a service industry. We are an events industry. It is about service. So things like a SaaS model, I'm afraid I'm kind of so anti it. That's not my idea, personal idea. Sorry, Stas. Um, but it's not my personal idea of, of service. Uh, I, I actually like human service, but that costs. You know, you stay at a five-star hotel. I worked with Mandarin Oriental. You had two members of staff for every paying customer. That's service. Um, and we need to have that balance of being cost effective, but providing the service for the end customer. Um, I think the future of virtual events, it's petrifying. It's on a it's on an exponential curve. We're, we're on a if we talk about peaks, COVID peaks, we're on probably a, thir a third peak and it's going to be skyrocketing. Um, what I've seen what I've seen in the short period that I've been involved is um, is the, the product has improved. The stability has improved. The the way that we, we use it has improved. And that's in realistically nine, 10 months, 12 months. Mm -hmm. Um, so I five years time, I personally think we will all be attending if, if when we attend a virtual event, we'll be using the headset, we'll be looking around, we'll be able to see it, maybe even touch it. I don't know that, that it's it sounds like science fiction. Um, I have a very aging, aging parents and they may well tune into that this. But the whole concept to them is completely alien. 
it's going to be alien to me in five years time if i was to teleport five years into the future we're not going to recognize it it's very exciting and i was interviewed back in march this year and i i quoted it it's a moment in time it's a moment in time when you people have the opportunity to jump on board this accelerator and if you the longer you leave it about jumping on board the further behind you're going to be with that and it, that is my advice for anyone that's coming out of college someone that's in the industry that stayed in the industry jump in get some get some support get some free just do some free free volunteering to see how it works because it's it is different to what we've done before but it's not that different the whole concept of delivering services is what we do i absolutely yeah i'm i have to totally agree with you on on the service side i've said for for, for the last 18 months that SaaS at the moment should mean software and a service uh, not software as a service no. because i think i think it takes time for the sector to adjust we've had a, a, as you quite rightly pointed out Stuart, we'd have a a huge devastating moment in time where lots of people have lost their careers or had to transition out of the sector it's going to take time for us to recover from that so service and support is even more important now to help the industry get back to where it was pre-pandemic and and accelerate it even further forward and utilize these these types of technologies to to, to create all those opportunities and and to and to grow i, I genuinely think we'll go through you know, a, a huge growth period over the next five years from as, as an events industry. I think there is the potential that virtual events become the webinar of the modern day. Um, I'm fearful of that um, in the terms of the misuse of them uh, or the overuse of them. Um, so we've got to be careful about that, that they become, because, you know, webinar became a dirty word for a very, very long time. Um but I think as a as a sector, as an industry, you know, back to Stas's point, it's created lots of opportunity event technologists is now this new fostering um, and bubbling kind of side of, of the industry. And I actually think it'll become one of the most sought after roles that the ability to understand technology and, harness, and leverage it becomes very, very valuable to, I think, many organizations, whether that's understanding data, deploying a platform, managing platforms, managing other softwares and systems that integrate. That's that's very technical. That's probably, for many, for some large organizers, uh, organizations, six-figure salaries plus in, in the events industry. That's that's my opinion. So I think if I was starting out my career in the events sector now, that's the, that's the direction that I'd specifically, specifically take. And I think that'll allow us to attract new talent to the sector as well. New interesting eyes, new interesting investments, new interesting platforms. Um, I think there will be a platform out there for everybody, whether you've got a couple of hundred dollar budget or a couple of million dollar budget, because that's just the way the world works. Um, some of that will come with support. But I think it's a really, really interesting and dynamic time for the sector. Um, we've seen the appetite for live face-to-face -face events to come back. Um, we're seeing the continued use of virtual as part of hybrid as well, which I think is really exciting. Um, so for you guys, you know, you're sitting in really interesting seats now as the platform provider and the custodian of the right choice of platform to go with Stuart, having all your experience as well. Um, so yeah, lead generation, I think there's a huge opportunity across the board for every business to use virtual events either to generate more business for themselves as an event organizer or to leverage it as a marketing 
arm of their business to, to reach new customers. Um, there's one final question that I have for you both before we wrap up. And one thing I hope for anybody watching this or to get out of this is something that helps them on a day-to-day basis. So I keep, I'm now asking my guests, is there one Chrome plugin app piece of technology that you, that's helping you on a day-to-day basis do your job better or more efficiently? I'm going to give an example of one. So I'm currently using a system called Tidy Tags. Um, T-I-D-Y-T-A-G-S. Stash, you might like this. And what that gives me the ability to do is tag people in LinkedIn within certain groups so I can create my own tags. So it's kind of like a LinkedIn CRM. So I go to Tidy Tags once I've tagged people and I can filter all of my connections that I've tagged by a specific type of tag. So I have an event technology tag for stats. I have a speaker, uh, I have a influential influencer and speaker uh, tag. Is there anything like that that you two can think of that you might share that might be helpful for the audience that's either watching now or, or listening back live? Stas, I'm going to start with you. Is there anything that you found technology app-wise, plugin-wise, that's, that's helping you? So I want to go a little bit further. Uh, I, I really came by recently by a company called Event Decision, um, a runs that company. You probably know that you interviewed him several episodes ago. And I really liked his idea of measurements of global footprint, carbon footprint that events do. I think it's very vital. We call we can, all event organizers, definitely big companies need to start using that because we all live on planet Earth. And when it's global warming, we see daily on news, uh, what happened in New York, what happened in Germany, Britain, all over the world. It's literally insane. We're ruining the environment that we are living in. So. I'm advising on events decision. They'll do different measurements for your event to make it uh, less damaging the environment and more effective. Fantastic. Thanks, Stas. Stuart, what about yourself? Oh, my goodness. I'm such a dinosaur. (laughs) You've really got me, Adam. You know what? I'm still getting my head around Excel. (laughs) (laughs) Has anybody actually got their head around Excel? I feel like it's one of those never-ending things that always there's something (laughs) that you didn't realize it could do. Um, No, that's not a problem. Um, No, no, no. I I am going to give credit where credit's due, and I like to tag them on this. Um, I I bank with Lloyds Bank, and they set up a digital academy um, right back at actually beginning of 2020. And I've sat in um, in those nine months when I was twiddling my thumbs thinking, what on earth am I going to do? And they have a really phenomenal resource to be able to pull upon to tell you all of this new tech. Um, And I would highly recommend everyone to go in and look at that. Even like a dinosaur like me, I learned so many bits of tech. I haven't embraced all of them by any means, but I've certainly dabbled with a lot of them. Um, There's a lot of, there is a lot of free learning skills out there which you can tap into to get into the digital world it's not it's not for the it's not them and us it is it is very accessible sorry adam over to you that's brilliant i think i think that's the real world that we live in isn't it right it's that's that's great advice stas stewart thank you very much for coming on to today's podcast for those that are watching or listening please do go and connect up with stas and stewart on linkedin check out catchthemice.com check out vii.events which is the url for stas's um site um and we will see you i guess in the next episode.
Thanks for that. Absolutely.